Switching my EHR to Jane was the best decision I made for my practice in 2023. And when I love something, I cannot shut up about it. Me too. And we are not just saying this because it's an ad. We both switched our EHR platforms to Jane on our own dime and free will. It was important to us that our EHR company be led by integrated healthcare professionals, not a big tech company that has no idea what it's like to be a therapist. Jane gets the importance of patient privacy and security over profit and growth. And the team at Jane knows that our time as therapists is valuable. So they help you run your private practice with automations and excellent customer service. We are talking about online intake forms that automatically collect client info, consent, insurance, and payments all before your first session. And because even the best clients forget sometimes, Jane has you covered with automatic reminders too. We really couldn't be happier switching our EHR to Jane, and we know you will be too. So mention Bad Therapist when you switch to Jane and get your 30-day grace period on your account. That's code badtherapist at jane.app to ditch your outdated EHR and join us and our love for Jane. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. While we're certainly not promoting actual bad therapy, we are here to shine a light on the messy situations that therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My bad therapist is no stranger to mistakes in the therapy room, are we, Allie? Nope. I would say it's the basis of our show. So it's <laughs> perfect that we are going to be talking today to Christine about mistakes in the therapy room, where Christine accidentally used the wrong pronouns with a client and how she recovered from that and how we can own our mistakes in the therapy room and not always make it about us, but making sure the client feels supported, feeling like they have the space to talk about it. And again, just kind of owning that we may, we messed up. Yeah, and what it does to the therapy moving forward. So before we get into it, just a reminder that we don't endorse actual bad therapy, and this is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself. All right, this is episode number 75 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hey, Christine, it's nice to see you again. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's so good to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, any anytime Christine wants to come on, you are more than welcome. Um, but before we get into your first bad therapist moment you're going to share with us, um, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. 
So I'm Christine Mark Griffin. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I am currently in private practice. I have a small group practice where I specialize in seeing children, teens, and expecting a new mamas. I also specialize in EMDR. I am an EMDR certified therapist, consultant, and an advanced trainer. I also recently released a workbook called the EMDR Workbook for Kids, and that's pretty brand new. It released earlier this year in February, and um, guess what else can I say about me? Um, gosh, my background prior to, to private practice, I actually started off in the child welfare system, so I actually worked with children and families for seven years in the child welfare system, in foster care, so just saw a lot of a lot of trauma, a lot of complex trauma, uh, and I always add this, a lot of resilience too, just really wonderful transformative stories. Uh, I ran a lot of teen programs, uh, children and teens were, were my thing and they still are, uh, and then I transitioned over to community mental health and I was a school-based clinician for uh, several years and oversaw some school programs and provided mental health um, I guess like more severe mental health in school. So we did a lot of, our team did a lot of responses to crises at school, but we also saw some of the toughest kids. Um, these kids were kiddos who, whose mental health issues were beyond what the school counselor or the school psychologist could handle. So, so yeah, that's a little bit of background about me uh, and some personal things, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm a mama myself. I have two babies, one in three. I'm married to a surf bum and we live in San Francisco. So we're constantly at the beach and outdoors when we can be. Oh, things. So many good things. Well, why don't we dive into it? We'll see where your story takes place in all of those. What made you question if you were a bad therapist? Oh my goodness. Well, as you know, I worked with a lot of children and teens. And even in my personal life, I was typically the friend that a friend in the circle would come out to and would say, oh, hey, and just so you know, I'm interested in girls or, or hey, I prefer um, he. And I, I feel like in general, I live in San Francisco. I'm pretty liberal and pretty open-minded and pretty like just aware and attuned to to some of these things and so and and in my in my time working with teens and working with children I've had so many kiddos you know, just share and open up and and come out during session and just even working through okay like let's how do you want to share this with with your family if you want to share it with your family at all? Let's let's work through this. So, um, here I am with a twelve year old client, and she comes in after working with her for one year, and this whole time she was a he. Very, we, lots of boy stuff was into, you know, spaceships and cars and kind of the general, like gender, gender norm, normative 
things into cars, into, I was like, okay. And I just, it just never crossed my mind that this should be a question that I ask, or this is something that I should um, explore and maybe like making judgments myself. And slowly, I guess I, there's all these signs. Um, he slash she, and later she was starting to wear leggings to my office, but really cool leggings, like spaceships with kittens on them or like galaxy design with robots on them. I'm like, oh, these are, those are really cool leggings. Like, where are you getting them? And more and more started dressing more feminine. And I still was just like, it's San Francisco. Everyone dress like you dress what you, you wear, what you want to wear. So this, this child is so artistic and so expressive. And this is amazing. Finally, they come in one day and um, R, I'll, I'll say their initials R, just said, um, you know, Christine, all my friends at school uh, just, they call me her and she, and actually those are my preferred pronouns. So can you, can you just start using those for me when you talk to me? And I probably had like, this look of shock on my face. Like how, how did I not know? How did I, how did I miss the signs? Because they were pretty, I, now that I think back on it, I think they were pretty uh, blunt and, and out there. And the moment that I felt like a really bad therapist was like, oh yeah, I can, she, her, all the pronouns, everyone's using them. Like that's, I'm used to it. I have friends in my, my, friend circle who do, but that transition is so quick and so fast. And she wanted them immediately. She's like, use these pronouns starting like right the second. Sure. And okay, I'm going to do my best. And I kept repeating in my head, like she hurt, mm -hmm. she, she hurt. And then I was like, oh, am I listening? Am I, what, mm -hmm. what did she say? What did, what is she talking about? I was so focused on making sure I had the right pronoun. And of course, that first session, I was really good about it. I was speaking really slowly and making sure I used the right pronoun. The next session, though, was when I did a whoops and definitely used the wrong pronouns. And she got pretty upset at me. And we worked through it. And I just said, you know, this is this is kind of hard for me. And I'm wondering if it's hard for other people too. Um, you've known for a really long time. Maybe your friends have known. You talk to your friends about it. But I'm wondering if you've shared this with your parents. Like, are your parents having a hard time now transitioning to these pronouns? Are your other family members, certain friends? And it really did open up this, this big segue in this conversation to, uh, yeah, other people are having a hard time, but like, you're my therapist, so you should get it right. And like, I expect other people to get it wrong, but you should know that like, you should be so aware and attuned because you know me so well and you know me so deeply. And I was just like, you're right. <laughs> Part of me was like, I know, like, I do know you so well and so deeply. And I, and I keep thinking about it and it's on my mind, but I still... I still fudged it up. Like I, st I still messed up and said the wrong pronouns. So 
it was a work in progress. And I still, I feel, I just felt horrible for multiple layers. One was I should have seen the signs and maybe I should, I could have asked some questions to maybe start this conversation sooner. We're like over a year in at this point. And why, why did I not see the signs? And secondly, it's just like uh, the other layer was just that constant, like real time interaction of forgetting mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. having the whole session derail and then spending it getting back on track. So yeah, that is, that's my, uh, am I a therapist? I can't figure out the pronoun thing. Oh my goodness, Christine, this is so relatable on so many different levels. My first thing that came to my mind is as a therapist, we work with our clients. Like you said, you've been with this client for a year, over a year when this, when the pronoun change came out and did your feelings towards the client change? How did your transference change to the client when they revealed that they had been not revealing their pronouns to you or didn't feel safe to reveal your pronouns? Or what what was that like for you as the therapist to have that moment and moving forward with that client, that transference? Yeah. You know what? It felt, it felt big for me. And the funny thing is I, I just felt like I, I feel like I wasn't doing justice or service in like the, in a wholesome, like a holistic and whole way. I'm like, oh my God, this was like such a big part of, of your identity. And, um, to hold that secret, right. In a, in a space where you're supposed to be, feel safe enough to share that. Um, so I, I know, I was just like, how did I not know? And I just felt so bad and um, maybe beat myself up a little bit too much for, for it. But when I questioned my, my client about it and asked, I'm like, I am, you know, it wasn't an apology, but just talking through, like, how was it for you to like share that with me? And um, I'm just so glad that you can, you're, you're comfortable mm-hmm. to finally talking about it. And she was like, uh, it's actually not a big deal. I didn't actually realize until, so she started growing out her hair and I guess an, a substitute teacher had mistaken her uh, and, or not mistaken her, well, actually just used the pronoun she, her and kept using them over and over. And she said, you know, it was like a couple weeks ago, the substitute teacher kept, thought I was a girl and kept using she, her with me. And I was like, no, that feels better. And that's it. And then I went home and told my mom and my mom asked me if I wanted to be referred to as she, her. And I said, yeah. So now her and my dad are like on board. And the only people who are kind of having a hard time with it were my grandparents, but I'm over it. <laughs> I was just like, oh, 
I'm over here beating myself up and you're just like, you've already figured it out and you've already talked to your parents about it and you've already like talked to your grandparents about it. And there are several other students at, at her school. I almost said his, her, like I, I caught Uh myself here right now. Um, several other students at her school who are transgender or prefer different pronouns or they, them, and and they are very, they're just very progressive in some of the schools here in San Francisco. So they learn about it and it's part of their curriculum and they have, you know, you work more with it than me. Like <laughs> I need to go to your elementary school and, and sit in on, on the, some of these lessons because yeah, I think some of the kids these days are getting the the education and the background on it and just they're learning more about inclusivity and diversity so i kind of felt like put to shame like wow this 12 year old is like inclusivity and diversity 101 over here for me and i'm over here just just soaking it all in and honestly just just in awe so inspired by how much knowledge they know and um how eloquent they are and just expressing themselves and how comfortable she is in her own skin now. And she's really letting her hair grow out, like really long hair and awesome leggings, the sparkliest leggings you've ever seen. So pretty cool. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Hey listeners, it's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself. And I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website, cccs.care, and sign up for free today. Well, let's loop back to the show. I'm curious, did this, like you had said, this was so inspiring. You were seeing all this knowledge and all of these things. Did that then impact your practice at all? Of Like, is this something you started talking about with your clients? Mm-hmm. I know it, like for myself, I have it on like intake forms, but if you have established clients, it might be checking it back in. Did you take that with any other clients or what did that look like for you after that? Yeah. You know what? 
something that I noticed after that session was, oh my gosh, I don't have anything in my in my office, even like a, a sign or a sticker or anything that like, you know how there's stickers now and just certain things that show you're an ally. And I realized I didn't have anything in my office mm. that showed I was an ally. Um, when I used to work for for the county with Children's Behavioral Health and in the schools, we had tons of stickers and we would have them on our county computers. So we would go into the schools and, you know, it was, I just had these stickers on my lab work laptop as I would go into school, school-based environments. I said, I'm an ally and, and all these things. And now that I've shifted into private practice, you know, make my, my space pretty and, and not that I can't find cute stuff that, shows I'm an ally. There's actually really cute stuff on Etsy because that's where I've been looking to start getting some uh, just subtle ally uh, decor in my office and just creating a more welcoming environment just to show children, teens, and parents who walk in here, um, walk into our waiting room and they're sitting and grabbing a coffee or they come into the office here that that's a safe topic to talk about just by having a symbol and that that session made me realize I have none, like zero, and I need to get them immediately to to just put in my office and signify that, you know, this is a safe safe place. A really good point that our offices or even our backdrops of for telehealth do the nonverbal communication is present. Absolutely virtual backgrounds, because I do talk about this with my clients a lot, you know, trying to check in about pronouns. I used to have stuff in my physical office, but Catherine, now that you mentioned mm-hmm. that, I'm like, I, I don't have anything visible yeah. anymore in my background. Yeah. Like, how can I make that either more visible to my clients or if it is just continuing to talk about it more? But I feel like it is important to have those nonverbal cues. And I guess sitting here now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about now that I'm doing telehealth, mm-hmm. what that looks like for myself and for my clients and just having those visual cues. Again, I'm having a moment here. Yeah. But it's so important. Absolutely. So Christine, I know that you do a lot of training in your work outside of the clinical room. What Have you ever worked with trainees or supervisees who had a similar struggle on, you know, struggling to make a mental switch for a client, whether it be pronoun or name or any of those mental switches we have to make sometimes when new information comes in? What advice have you or would you give to them? Um. You know, I honestly, I think it just, there's this, there's this thing in, in parenting and play therapy called just delighting, like being joy, just in awe and joy and delight, delighting in your child's presence, delighting in your, your client's presence, whether it's, Mm -hmm. whether they are identifying as she, her, him, they, or they have a different skin color or just this act of how can you show that you're present and you're there and not that you're just passively listening neutrally, but you are enjoying being in their presence and having a conversation with them. Like you are leaning in and you're just delighting. Like you are just so honored to have this conversation with them. And I think that it comes down to how you 
make the other person feel, the client feel. And um, we're allowed to make mistakes, I think, is the other thing, too. Like, I would say, you know, we've all been there, done that. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. And it's what we do with our mistakes. Do we, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to avoid that situation and never uh, face that client again or never bring that topic up again? Or do I bring it up because it does take a lot of courage and bravery. Like, Hey, you know what? In the last session, I think I said something really insensitive, or maybe I, I used the wrong pronoun or I said, and, um, how was that? I think even bringing race identity and culture into it. Um, I, I speak about it, you know, as an Asian female with my clients, how is it for you mm-hmm. sharing that with me being blank? Uh, and me being Asian or female, whatever that is. And I think even having that deeper layer of how is that for you sharing with me? I had, um, I work with a lot of parents, uh, a lot of like interracial couples as well, a nasty divorce. Dad was Caucasian, mom was Asian. But every time I had the parent consult with dad, he was a little a passive aggressive towards me. And I, and I pointed it out. How, how is it sharing this with me as an Asian female and your ex is an Asian female who kind of looks similar like that. It's kind of challenging heart. And, and your, your daughter is, is seeing me for individual and how mm-hmm. is it and even taking it a step further Your How is it for you? parenting your daughter and that father had never thought about that before and every parent session thereafter it was so peaceful and nice and no like undertone of aggression at all but just again going back to that delight um and wonder like i i'm just i just wonder about you and i'm so delighted that you're here and sharing your time with me I, I love that. And I think it relates well to something that I always comment on, not only in therapy, but parenting. And it's less about the rupture and more about the repair. Ruptures are going to happen. They're going to happen with good therapy work and good, even good parenting. But it's about like, how do we repair and move forward? Um, and I think that's what you really, really modeled in this example, how bringing it into the room, that process can be so much more beneficial than the actual content of the pronouns. What was the process like? Right. And that deeper level work that clients can take outside to their outside relationships outside of the therapy room. Uh, I just love, I love hearing about rupture repairs through process. It's just so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's amazing. Well, I'm so glad we could talk about this topic, Christine. And um, if our listeners want to connect outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Sure. So I would be happy to connect. You can find me through actually two avenues. I have my group practice website. It's sparkallwellness.com, S-P-A-R-K-A-L-L-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. And there you can just connect with me and, and my group practice there and see all the offerings we have. We have individual and we have groups. We have mindful mama groups for new and expecting mamas. And the new website that I just launched is emdrforkids.com. And that's all 
the, the workbook, the trainings, the EMDR resources. We have a YouTube channel with videos for EMDR with children as supplemental tools. We have handouts for parents um, and you'll find the training and, and consultation services on that website. And super cute graphics, very beautiful graphics yeah, <laughs> for your you. EMDR for kids. If you, if you, even if you don't do EMDR with kids, just go check out that website to see the cute graphics. It brightens yeah, my day. Also, yeah. I was just going to add, we're also on social media. So yeah. it's at Sparkle Wellness and at EMDR for kids. So you can follow along on, on Instagram too. And we'll link everything below. Thank you so much, Christine, for taking the time and coming on. It's always great to connect with you. Thanks for having me. So fun. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for this week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love the Bad Therapist community so much and want to continue normalizing real therapist experience. You can help us by leaving a five-star review or sharing this episode with a friend or colleague. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And if you've experienced an actual bad therapist, contact your state health department or head over to stopbadtherapy.com for more information. And if you've liked this episode, we've got plenty more. Yeah, over 50 therapist stories ready for you to binge if you can't wait for our newest episode next Monday. <laughs>